Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. And welcome to Authentic Living. Today, we're going to be talking with Paul Farini. Here to talk to us about his two very relevant books, Embracing Your True Self and Real Happiness. Paul is the author of 40 inspirational books on love, healing, and forgiveness. He demonstrates a unique blend of spirituality and psychology that draws from the wisdom traditions from both East and West. Further, his work is both heart-centered and experiential, a method that encourages the very heart of healing. Paul is an ordained minister and sought-after speaker who has shared his insights worldwide and who has been enthusiastically endorsed by several other of the world's spiritual luminaries. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for taking your time and energy to talk with our guests, our listeners today. Thank you, Andrea. It's good to be here. Okay. Well, let's start out with a discussion of embracing your true self first, and then we'll move to real happiness because I think that's kind of the way it really goes, Yes. Well, I think they work so much together, but yeah, we could start with embracing our true self. Okay. Well, I love the way you describe the core self. When you talk about in, in embracing your true self, you talk about a core self as the connection point between the divine origin and the human incarnation. Can you help us understand that a little bit better? Sure. Core self is, um, is kind of a neutral word for talking about our spiritual essence. Some people are very comfortable talking about our divine origin or talking about God. Other people are not so comfortable using those terms. But the core self gives us a way of talking about an aspect of each of us that is eternal and is not limited to the forms that we have in this world, nor is it limited to the experiences that we have in this world. A lot of what we experience in this world is a lot of wounding and a lot of shame and a lot of of feelings that are overwhelming to us that we begin to feel somehow that's all life is. The core self reminds us that there is an aspect of us which is pure, which is unstained, which can never be wounded, and in order to really do our healing work, it's really important to connect to that essence within, to that core self within. Okay, that's beautiful. I, and I'm so glad that you said that about that part of us can never be wounded because I do, I think, so much that we identify, and you speak of this in Real Happiness, identifying with the parts of us that are not happy, identifying with our wounds so that you... Yeah. So we just really can't see beyond that. We can't see that there's some other promise within us. There are two types of denial that I find out there. One is that people um, deny the fact that they are in pain, and um, they wear very strong spiritual masks, pretending that uh, they're happy all the time um, and that they're uh, kind of, that they've got their lives together. Meanwhile, underneath those masks, they have all kinds of insecurities and fears and reactive behavior patterns, and it just doesn't work. That mask sooner or later gets ripped off by life. So that's one form of denial. The other form of denial is that uh, we... We acknowledge the pain. That's not our difficulty. We feel the pain, 
but we get very much um, identified with it. And we think that's all our life is, the pain that we're carrying, the shame that we're carrying. Um, and it's very difficult for us to heal where we're identified with our pain. So both those forms of denial, denial of the darkness and denial of the light, prevent us from healing. Well, that's very well said, very well said. Okay, so how would you say then that the wounded self interacts with the core self? Well, that's very interesting because the wounded self doesn't interact with the core self. Okay, okay. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Or that's, I shouldn't call it the problem. That's part of the, part of the setup for our incarnation. Yes. So what we, we have to find a way to embrace our shadow to even touch the core self. It's ironic. We think that by denying our shadow and just going to the light that we're going to be able to connect with the core self, but really the opposite is, is true. We just end up building a spiritual mask and making it impossible for us to connect with our essence. So ironically and paradoxically, in order to come to the place within us which cannot be wounded, we need to go through the shadow world and learn to bring love to the parts of ourselves that are wounded. We need to embrace our shadows. We need to move through that dark night of the soul. And when we do, then we discover that essence within us which has never been wounded. And not only within, within us, but within everyone else, including our parents who may have wounded us and other authority figures in our lives that um, may have given us a, a difficult time growing up. Right, right. So now we're talking about a little bit of that forgiveness thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so recognizing... I'm sorry, go ahead. It's a difficult topic. Yes, it is a difficult topic. As a matter of fact, it's so difficult that I have labeled it with... Um, I've called the uh, forgiveness the F word a little bit because we get it so... It's so confusing to so many of us. Um, so, you know, I, w- I want to talk about that some more when we talk about real happiness. But just for right now, when we talk about forgiveness... We're not just talking about sort of saying, oh, I'm over that, or, you know, I'm just going to let that go. We're talking about something far deeper. Yeah, because that's denial. That's not forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What we have to understand is that human beings make mistakes. This is inevitable for all of us. We We don't come here having already learned how to love ourselves and others. We come here to learn how to do that. And in the process of learning, we make a lot of mistakes. So once we, if we accept that it's just a given, then we can really understand what forgiveness is all about and why it's necessary. If we can understand that a mistake is an opportunity to learn and to grow, then we can begin to use uh, every experience that happens in our lives as an opportunity to go beyond what we knew before, to learn something different. On the other hand, if we resist the idea that we're here to learn, we think we're already supposed to know everything, we think we're already supposed to be perfect, and that it's shameful not to know something or to be imperfect, then we have a very difficult time practicing forgiveness. And without forgiveness, 
it's impossible to discover the core self. Right, right. And, you know, you spoke a little while ago of, of loving the shadow. I remember mentioning that to someone a long time ago, and they were like, love it? How are you going to love it? <laughs> so I guess I want to hear that. That is a piece of it, too, is to be able to call yeah. up the unconscious and just know it and understand it and, and, and love it. And Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and also to really uh, understand um, in its most basic terms what love is. Love begins with acceptance. So that um, the first step in dealing with the shadow is simply to recognize that it's there. To recognize there's a part of me I don't feel very good about. There's a part of me that I am in judgment of. Uh, Maybe that part of me was what my daddy or my mommy was in judgment of, and I've internalized those judgments. But there's an aspect of me that judges me. And all of that is relegated to the unconscious, to the shadowy side. And I try to build a mask to pretend that that shadow isn't there. Whereas underneath the surface, I feel I have a deep sense of unworthiness that enables me to know that, yes, it is there. There is a part of me I have trouble loving and accepting. So the first step is just to see it, to acknowledge it, to accept it. I call it getting our arms around our whole experience as opposed to just selecting a portion of our experience that's acceptable and stuffing the rest. We recognize that our spiritual journey is about getting our arms around our entire experience, highs and lows, things that we like as well as things that we don't like, um, breakthroughs that we have, including great challenges that face us in our lives. Yep. And so that when we waken, uh, you've made a distinction in the book, too, between the core self and the true self. You've called the true self a spiritual awakening. So what generally happens to awaken us to that true self is those crises you're talking about. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, to really understand what the true self is, we have to talk about the false self. Right. And the false self is created. It's part of our mask. And it's created in an attempt to get love and acceptance from other people, particularly our parents. Um, We are all born into a world in which most of the love that's available is conditional love. And other people are just as wounded as we are. And um, so as a result, we kind of twist ourselves into pretzels trying to please other people in the hope that we'll get the love that we want. In the end, that turns out not to be true. We don't ever get the love that we want. We build this elaborate self-image, which we call the true self, I mean the false self, around trying to get that love. And within that are all kinds of patterns of self-betrayal. So in order to begin to talk about the true self, we have to see all those patterns of self-betrayal and we need to end them. It's only when we can end those patterns that the possibility of this birth of the true self exists. Right. But again, we don't end those things by just deciding one day, well, I'm just going to stop doing that. We, we no. have to do some more deeper work in order to this, do that. Is that right? Is, um, this is a process of mental and emotional healing. And the emotional part... This is the part that most people don't want to deal with. 
um, people are pretty open to the idea that they can change their minds, but they don't realize that the thoughts that they have, particularly the deep-seated beliefs, are established in the emotional body. And they are very primitive beliefs. And all of them are shame-based. All, all of them are based on some deep sense of unworthiness that I don't matter or that other people are more important than I am. Um, and, uh, we, you know, we're, we're, we're walking around these, in these adult bodies, but we have very primitive beliefs that we've adopted in childhood that are running our lives. Okay, and so it's really important that we begin to understand what these beliefs are and how they're running our lives so that we can begin to bring awareness to that and begin the process of transformation. Okay. We're going to talk some more about those beliefs when we come back. This is Andrea Matthews. We're talking today with Paul Farini about embracing your true self. We'll be back in just a moment. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. As a new era approaches December 2012, Evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with host Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles that consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Hey, kid, over here, inside your radio, name's Ralph. I'm an energy hog. Hey, if you're going to waste energy in your home, I'm going to pig out on it. (laughs) Anyway, I got a deal for you. There's this new website called energyhog.org. Forget about it. It teaches kids how to get rid of us energy hogs. So you promise not to log on to energyhog.org, and I promise not to eat your radio. Deal? A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, talking today with Paul Farini, our guest, talking with us about two of his very relevant books, Embracing Your True Self and Real Happiness. And we were talking just before the break, Paul, about the belief systems that we have that sort of uh, tie us into that mask that, it, that is representative of the false self. You want to speak just a little bit about those beliefs, some of those beliefs that might be sure. an example for our, our listeners? Sure. Well, for example, when we're little we may find that we have a parent. This is just one example. There are many examples. But we might have a parent who is um, not able to take care of themselves. Maybe they're sickly. Um, or maybe they have some sort of a, uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol. Or somehow they're not able to function as adults and as mummies and daddies. So as children, we may grow up adopting a role of being the caretaker, of trying to be the mommy to our mommy or the daddy to our daddy. Uh, Obviously, we're not equipped as little kids to play these roles. So what we do is we give our childhood away, and we end up trying to take care of our parents. And the belief is there that unless I take care of mommy, I won't get loved. We don't, we're not conscious of this belief, but this is what's ingrained. And then later in life, for example, we may meet somebody who's just like mommy and marry them, and our primary role that we play in that person's life is to be the caretaker for that person because deep down inside there is the belief that unless I take care of somebody, I won't be loved. Mm-hmm. And that runs our lives. Right. That's just the broad painting of it. There are very specific things that are involved in the caretaker role. Everyone has a unique way of playing that role, and there are other roles as well. Absolutely. That was a very good example and, uh, and so true. And, and, and I, I guess, you know, when we start thinking about the patterns of our lives so many times, what we want to do is some self-blame, and, and instead of recognizing that we pick these things up as a part of our uh, sort of an idea that this was going to help us survive. Yes, and this is this is where the inner child healing comes in, which is so important, because a lot of times when we use a word like shadow or whatever, uh, we don't really feel compassion. Whereas if we, if we can I- imagine the shadow as a wounded child, and we've all been around children who are sad or angry or acting out, and we, we know that there's a lot of pain involved in that. So if we can see our own arrested childhood, if we can see the little boy or the little girl in us who didn't get the love that he or she needed growing up, then we can get that kid on our laps and we can give love to that kid. And uh, at first, that's not as easy as it sounds because we're ashamed of the child. We want to push the child away. We feel the child is embarrassing us. He's too needy or she's too needy. 
So begin the process of making friends with that little kid or that shadowy side of ourselves and really feeling the kid's pain, really understanding this primitive side of ourselves that doesn't feel loved and having compassion and learning to bring love to it. This inner child work is part of the incredible emotional healing journey that happens through this work where we really reclaim our lost childhood. We really learn to become the bringers of love to our own experience when our parents were not able to do that for us. So we actually go go back and where it's kind of like we're rewriting the, um, the plot for our lives. We're uh, undoing the old patterns and putting new patterns in place that are more positive. Absolutely, absolutely. Very well said. So you describe in your book something you call an existential wound. What, what do you mean by that? Well, the existential wound is, um, is just the fact that... Uh, that um, we come here to learn, and the way that we learn is by being wounded. You know, on a soul level, why would we be here if we didn't have something to learn, and how are we going to realize that we have something to learn unless we get some kind of a wake-up call in our lives? All pain has a purpose. So if we were all born like little Buddha babies to perfect parents, we would have nothing to do here, nothing to learn. But we, we come in with specific lessons to learn, and we are attracted to parents based on their ability to create the environment in which we can learn those lessons. Right. So one could say that uh, we have much to thank our parents for, even though they, weren't, they were far from ideal. Absolutely. What happens, two very important things happen in this work. Forgiving our parents is one of them because we understand, we come to understand that they never could have abused us if they weren't themselves abused. And they simply did to us what was done to them by their parents and other authority figures in their lives. You know, as it says in the Bible, the sins of the the fathers are passed on from generation to generation. Uh, this is a generational healing thing. Wounds are passed on. But once we're able to say, stop, enough of this, I'm going to take time to heal my wound, then we can stop passing it on to our children. Or if we've already passed the wound on, then we can help them through modeling our own healing process understand what's necessary to stop that passing it on to their kids. Right, right. So you talk also about uh, the three stages of healing and transformation. Can you just sort of give us a brief overview of those? Mm -hmm. Well, the first phase is the awakening phase. And this is the phase where we really understand that pain must be acknowledged, that it can't be hidden. We can't anesthetize it by uh, drinking or drugging or having promiscuous sex or eating or doing all the addictive things that we do so that we don't have to feel our pain. It's important that we feel our pain. Our pain is there for a reason. Our pain is saying there's something here that is um, out of adjustment. There is something here that needs to be looked at and addressed. Something needs to come in alignment here. So it's time to bring awareness. Pain is a wake-up call. So the first part of the process is acknowledging the pain, 
working through our addictive patterns and um, becoming emotionally present so that we can begin to see the ways in which we wear a mask, we stuff our feelings, and uh, we can become courageous and willing to look at how we feel at any given time and be willing to share what we see with others who are doing the same. In the first part of the process, we, we become part of a healing community of people who are looking at their wounds and who are uh, willing to heal them. Then the second part is the phase of active healing, where we begin to do the intensive inner child healing work that I talked about before, understanding what our core wound is, understanding the core belief that, that arises from that wound and the shame around that, understanding the reactive behavior patterns associated with that, the ways in which I'm triggered constantly in my life throughout my most intensive relationships and how they bring me back to the core wound and give me yet another opportunity to heal it. Understanding beliefs that run my life so that I can bring my awareness to those beliefs and begin to shift them consciously. In other words, we go through a process of intense healing in which we bring awareness to all the unconscious, previously unconscious aspects of our lives so that we can live more consciously, stop giving our power away to other people, and begin to step into our power and purpose. And then that third phase is the phase of empowerment where we begin to really trust who we are. We've let go of the false self that we have identified in the second phase. And um, we've begun to really trust our gifts, the gifts we were born with, to be willing to, uh, to trust them and express them in the world. We're uh, getting out of codependent relationships into empowered relationships that support us. And we're beginning to move on to fulfill our life purpose. And all that happens in that third phase. So it's a complete model of spiritual transformation. Okay, so in, just in brief, there's an awakening in which we recognize our experiences as they are and our core wound, and then an, a, uh, an active healing phase where we're really actively paying attention to what's going on in there with that wound, and, and then the empowerment phase where we're mm-hmm. being able to tr- begin to trust who we really are. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay, great. All right, so... Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to ask about that book before we move on to the other, and that is how does this translate into healing our world? Well, healing our world starts with healing our own pain. You can't even begin to address the collective pain if you haven't looked at your own individual pain. So they're related. Yeah, I think we could say that sentence about 50 times, too. Mm-hmm. I think that, there, you know, we are... It's a, the way I see it is it's a kind of co... Uh, co-healing where we're both working on ourselves and as we do that the world is evolving with us that's right yeah. I mean I know so many people who are running around trying to heal others and they haven't even done their own healing work exactly exactly you know? so this this process has to begin uh, with our own healing and then it extends great, gradually to others yeah and I want to go ahead and just say this um, and uh, you can chime in here I think this is a good point to say I I do have a belief that um, so many times when we're talking about folks that are are doing harm to other people um, while they're trying to heal, maybe therapists, maybe um, healers of some sort, 
Absolutely. A lot of times what I see is that they're really trying to heal themselves through others instead of just being able to heal themselves. Yeah, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, all it does is deepen their own wounds and their own pain. And then, of course, the more they trespass on others, the more they're going to begin to have guilt for what they do and the more they're adding to their own plate. Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So right. what we have to realize is that... Um, Healing is is not a process that um, has a beginning or an end um, that happens in six months or a year or whatever. Healing is a lifelong process. You know, we we heal one layer, and then we go out and we're able to to share what we've learned with others. Then we have to come back and heal a new layer that we're ready to heal. So, so that it's really important for anybody who's doing any kind of work with others to continue the process of healing, to continue to go deeper, or else what will happen is they will go beyond where they're able to go to help others, and they'll crash. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Okay, well, we're, uh, we're halfway through our show talking with Paul Farini today, and we're going to be back in just a minute to talk about his second book, Real Happiness. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Karen Varner can provide you with an exhilarating angel empowerment reading that will explore the potential and possibilities yearning for expression in your life. Whether family, career, money, or health concerns, you'll discover your answers in your reading with Karen. Jason from California shares, I was a little skeptical about cards and angels, but Karen managed to awaken me. I highly recommend this gifted psychic. Contact Corinne for phone readings at www.angeltouchedreadings.com or call 602-679-3423. Hey, how you doing? Educational videos, top quality, right here. You'll never hear anyone selling education on the street, but with free family learning programs, you can get the education you need. Call 1-877-FAMLIT-1 for information on free learning programs. 1-877-FAMLIT-1. Check it out, check it out. Your GED right here, guaranteed, ma. Come on, check it out. Free family learning programs from the National Center for Family Literacy. Brought to you by the National Center for Family Literacy and the Ad Council. Do you realize how much the way you think and feel controls everything in your life? On Neurogenesis, join Dr. Joe Dispenza as he answers a wide variety of questions from topics like the mind-body connection to the process of personal change, the origins of disease to emotions and brain chemistry, just to name a few. There is a true biology to personal transformation, and it applies to you. Neurogenesis with Dr. Joe Dispenza broadcasts a new program Every other Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Tune in so you can lose your mind and create a new one. Our past lives hold the key to our present and future lives. The process of uncovering past life memories help us understand ourselves, heal grief, create more meaningful relationships, and evolve and grow spiritually. Let Your Past Will Open Your Future with host Michelle Brock help you discover that key. Included in the discussion will be reincarnation, hypnosis, dreams, meditation, and symbolism. Tune in to Your Past Will Open Your Future, live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Be extraordinary. 7th Wave Network.
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, a school that offers you a chance to fulfill your dreams, to help yourself and your world. And we're going to move on to to another one of uh, Paul Farini's books today uh, called Real Happiness. And um, I wanted to start with just having you define for us what you mean by real happiness, because um, it might not be the same as what we think of. Okay. When I talk about real happiness, I, I talk about real with a capital R, which means it's, it's uh, an, an internal process of coming to a place of really loving and accepting ourselves. And the premise is that if we can really radically love and accept ourselves, then we can find happiness in the world. But that that work has to happen before we're able to externalize it. Whereas uh, what I call fake happiness or phony happiness is a search for happiness outside of ourselves, a search for happiness through relationship with others or through the acquisition of money or possessions uh, or status in society. Uh, And people who take that route um, inevitably come to a place where they realize that The relationship doesn't make them happy. The bank account doesn't make them happy. The possessions or status doesn't make them happy because they have not learned to develop a loving relationship with themselves. Right. Okay. So now we know that real happiness runs a lot deeper than just uh, being able to get a lot of things and a lot of people in our lives. Okay, you talk a lot in the book about showing up for your life. What do you mean by that? Well, we all have patterns of avoiding um, our pain, avoiding conflict. Um, what I'm talking about is that um, the times when we find it most difficult to be present are the times when we have to learn to hang in there. That is, we can't give up on ourselves, we can't give up on our relationships, which are really the, some of the most important pathways to spiritual development. We have to learn to show up, even when it's difficult for us to show up. Okay, so what you're talking about there is a kind of presence with your life. Yeah, no more excuses, no more saying well, I can't show up because I, you know, my, my daddy hit me when I was little or because my mother was an alcoholic or because I never finished high school or no more excuses. Um, if we want to do this work, we have to take responsibility for doing the work, which means, number one, we have to show up for it. We have to be present to our feelings. We have to be willing to engage in a healing process, which is never easy. Um, we can't be in avoidance of our pain. We can't be uh, involved in fueling addictions that prevent us from becoming emotionally present. Showing up 
means being willing to feel our feelings, being willing to be present for our experience, whatever it is. Right, right. That responsibility is a big, big, big deal. And the other thing is, many of us develop uh, patterns of projecting onto other people. and We want to make other people responsible for everything that's not working in our lives. One of the things we have to do when we're serious about this work is to stop talking about other people and start saying, this is not about anybody else, it's about me. It's about the responsibility I'm willing to take for, for my own experience. That's another crucial thing, and it's not easy to do. Yep. We have to realize that blame and shame are not going to enable us to heal. Yeah, that's very well said. And, you know, you've, you've talked a lot in that book also about not beating yourself up um, and, and, and being ready to just sort of experience your own unhappiness as it is. Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, I want to I want to move from there. I want to come back to that for just a second in sure. just a second. But I want to move from there to fear. Uh, a lot of our new thought or new age thinking today says that if you're afraid of anything, you might be bringing about that thing that you fear. But you say in the book that your that fear isn't bad. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, fear is the primary. Uh, fear and shame are the primary uh, emotions associated with our pain. Everybody has it. Nobody's going to get rid of it. And we all have to step up and work with it. The idea that we can go through even a day without experiencing fear is preposterous. And in fact, if we say you've got to get rid of your fear to be, be spiritual, what's going to happen is we will go into deeper fear. Or we will develop a stronger spiritual mask and hide that fear even deeper down into the psyche in our shadows. We're not here to get rid of fear. We're here to learn to hold our fear compassionately. Right. And that's what I refer to as that sort of merging or integration that Carl Jung talks a lot about. And I'm so thankful that you've said that because I think that's one of the things that just gets perpetuated all the time. And, and uh, the new thought that is supposedly so different from the old traditional thought, but really they're the same. It's just a wolf so in sheep's clothing. I'm sorry, yeah, wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's the same thing with different colors. Yep, it sure is. It sure is. I agree. But now fear is what's evil. Mm-hmm. You know, fear is what's bad. Yeah, and, and fear, you know, we, what we do is set up more fear when we say, well, don't be afraid, because if you're afraid, you're going to make it happen, which makes you more afraid. What I say to people is, when fear comes up, breathe. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing you want to do when fear's coming up is to stop breathing. So we breathe into our fear. We get our arms around it. We say, oh, I see I'm really scared right now. We don't say it's bad to be scared. We don't say, I should be more spiritual, I shouldn't have fear. We say, oh, I'm really scared right now in this moment. I need to take a deep breath. I need to breathe through this. I need to see why is this coming up, what's going on. There's something I need to be aware of, or fear wouldn't be coming up. Because all pain, including fear, and fear is a major aspect of pain, is a wake-up call. It's a way in which the deeper parts of me communicate with the spiritual sense of me with the spiritual adult. The spiritual adult walks around and doesn't believe that he or she is in pain. So 
so that the, the, the spiritual adult and the wounded child need to communicate with one another. In this work, we learn to make the space for the wounded child to say to the spiritual adult, slow down, I'm really scared, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Yep, very well that's said, a that's a real good metaphor. So instead of stuffing the kid and saying, go away, you're in embarrassment. Spiritual people aren't afraid, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend not to be afraid. Right, which just makes us feel more abandoned and more afraid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And I was also so very glad to read this statement in your book. You said, and this is a quote, you said, many people give, your, give you affirmations to repeat as if affirmations could overcome your unhappiness or beat it into submission. This simply doesn't work. Indeed, it often leads to even greater frustration. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, again, we're, our entire task in the beginning of the work is to become emotionally present. Now, as soon as we go into our heads... We begin all kinds of tactics of denying. So, for example, if you're feeling scared and, and you repeat an affirmation that says, I am not scared or I am fearless, what are you doing? You're discounting your experience. You're escaping it. You're attempting to run away from it or pretend that it's not happening instead of meeting it face-to-face, taking a breath and saying, okay, what's this all about? What do I need to pay attention to here? Right, right. So, in fact, what we could be saying when we have a fear or a difficult emotion of any type is, hey, that must mean I'm waking up. Yeah. It's an opportunity to wake up. It's an opportunity to become aware. Mm -hmm. The question is, what choice will we make? Will we try to use an affirmation or some other spiritual technique that we read in some book to to beat it into submission and make it go away? Or will we take a deep breath, be okay with being a fallible human being, and learn to meet our experience head on? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting you keep saying your experience, our experience, and I, that just is resonating in me as you're saying it. And I'm like, that is a part of, that is what we've come here to do, is to have an experience. Mm-hmm. And when we deny it, we're not doing what we came here to do. That's right. Yep, absolutely. We, we were here to come face-to-face with ourselves. And since um, much of our experience is being created unconsciously, part of what this is all about is making those unconscious aspects conscious so that we can see that we have choices. Right, right. And, and that process is just one of, making something conscious is just one of being present with the experience we're That's having right. instead of judging it or pushing it away. It has nothing to do with judging or intellectualizing our experience. All right. All right, well, that's a good place to stop for right now. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back in just a moment with more from Paul Farini about real happiness. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, 
I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. We all share similar desires to be loved, to be happy, and to feel well. Your inner journey is here to support you, inspire you, and expand your knowledge of you. Tune in for new insights, meet our guests. Get the inspiration you need to create the life you really want. Your Inner Journey with Penny Calcina is about her inner journey and your inner journey and the things that connect us all. Tune in every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for Your Inner Journey on 7th Wave Network. Karen Varner can provide you with an exhilarating angel empowerment reading that will explore the potential and possibilities yearning for expression in your life. Whether family, career, money, or health concerns, you'll discover your answers in your reading with Karen. Jason from California shares, I was a little skeptical about cards and angels, but Karen managed to awaken me. I highly recommend this gifted psychic. Contact Karen for phone readings at www.angeltouchedreadings.com or call 602 609-3423. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the last segment of our talk today with Paul Farini, and we're talking about his uh, book, Real Happiness. And uh, we left just a moment ago talking about um, fear, and we're going to talk about that some more in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to be sure that our listeners have an opportunity to understand how they can get in touch with you and what kinds of things you do and just sort of catch us up on what you're doing in the world today. Okay, great. Well, I guess the first thing I should say is that a lot more information about my work can be found on my website, which is www.paulferini.com. 
and I encourage people to go there. There are many excerpts from books and uh, audio products that people can experience, and um, they'll also find out about some of the retreats that I offer around the country and the workshops. We have a a retreat coming up in January in Florida, five-day retreat. Um, That's the next thing. I've also developed a um, complete curriculum, workshop curriculum for the Real Happiness work, and I've been training teachers so that this um, important information can get out all over the world. We have teachers in the U.S. and Europe and all over who are teaching the uh, concepts and the experiential processes that I've developed for the Real Happiness work because it's become really obvious to me that reading a book is just the beginning of a journey. And um, a few years ago, I had very, very strong guidance that it was important to create a laboratory experience for people to accentuate and accelerate their growth. And that's what I did with the Real Happiness Workshop by providing uh, an intensive experience for people to heal. That experience is now available not only with me at retreats, but with uh, my teachers at workshops all over the world. And more about that's available on the website. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I really appreciate the work you do in the world, and 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 know it's benefiting lots and lots of people. So thank you for that. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about. Um, how we can begin to dialogue with fear or with any of our emotions? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is to recognize that our emotions are not the enemy. Our emotions are not something that we have to avoid. I mean, it's true, we have emotions that are unpleasant to us. But when we shove them and don't allow ourselves to experience them, then we don't hear the message that they bring. And a lot of the emotional healing work is based on the premise that our emotions are telling us something very important that we need to hear, Uh, something that uh, there's an aspect of self that we're ignoring that that we need to be in communion with. And so instead of um, intellectualizing, going up into our heads with this material, instead of denying the emotions through various forms of addiction, we learn to simply be present with what's happening and to understand that this human part of us is not bad. This human part of us is, in fact, the doorway to the divine. People think, well, if I want to join with God, if I want to join with the oneness, I have to somehow stop being a human being. This is just, it's a complete delusion. Being a human being is the doorway to the divine. Being in acceptance of all of our human fragility and frailty is the doorway to the the essential and transcendent truth of who we are. So if we realize this, then we don't have to be afraid of any of the emotions that arise within our consciousness or experience. We can show up, go back to the word we were talking about before, we can show up for them, we can show up for ourselves, we can show up for the little kid inside of us who needs to be loved and accepted. Right, right. Yep, and that, that whole idea is, is one in which we um, experience life 
um, we experience ourselves, and and we're not. But at the same time, we're not really identifying with those emotions. We're not making that our I am. We're just recognizing them. That's right. Okay. All right. That's right. But we have to be careful with that. Yeah. Say some more about that. Well, I mean, we 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 have to be careful. Being a being a witness is a very important and necessary thing. That is, in fact, what awareness is all about. But oftentimes when we talk about uh, not making it our I am or being the witness self, um, those words are used to justify intellectualizing our experience instead of being in emotional communion with our experience. So we have to be very, very careful to breathe (laughs) and be with what we're feeling. Right. And, uh, and access, we, we just ask the question, am I loving myself right now? No. Am I, am I being present for my experience right now? Am I judging myself or am I judging someone else? Can I simply take a deep breath and be present for my experience, whatever it is? If fear is coming up, can I be with my fear? Be with the little child who is afraid. In other words, keep it simple. Yeah, it, and, and I guess what I'm imagining right now is sort of like what you mentioned as the core self, which has never been wounded, sort of sitting beside the part of us that is wounded. Yes. You see, that the, the thing is when we can sit with our little kid who is wounded and then we can bring love and acceptance to our little kid, what happens is that kid who is normally acting out, throwing a temper tantrum because he can't get our attention, begins to relax. And when that child begins to relax, there's this flow of love which is reestablished so that we become the bringer of love to our own experience, and that kid feels totally different, feels accepted. That's the beginning of the transformational process. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, so the more we square off against ourselves and make our emotions our enemy, the further away we're getting from healing. That's right. Okay. All right, so now uh, you talk in the book also about um, rising above the drama. I want to mention that. We just have a few more minutes left in the show, but I really think we need to mention that. What does that mean, rising above the drama? Well, in other words, we we get involved in um, in our various forms of reactivity, uh, and trespass, we get involved in um, who did what to us or what we did to other people, stepping on toes, um, projecting our experience and blaming others and or blaming ourselves. And it, it's all a very big drama. Uh, and uh, when we identify with that drama, you know, it gets worse and worse, and some people will kill. You know, actually will kill other human beings because they're taking the drama so seriously. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we understand that it is a reactive drama that, um, that doesn't really even exist when we're able to step back and see it, when we're not emotionally invested in it, when we're not making it real. That's part of what we learn to do by being emotionally present for our little kid, we become less reactive to other people. We become less invested in the drama of the world. We become more capable of understanding these uh, 
situations that are reactive and holding a space in which they can begin to play themselves out and, uh, and dissolve and, um, and return us to the truth about ourselves and the truth about others, which, of course, has nothing to do with wounding or trespass. Okay. All right. So really what you're saying is that there is a, there's a real part of us and a false part of us, and as we wake, awaken to the real part of us, we begin to allow more room for our experience and we become more whole. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being here today. I really appreciate you taking your time and giving it to our listeners. And tune in again next week. We're going to be talking to Elizabeth Fate about paying it forward. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.